Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia. We worship together at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, both in person and online at youtube.com slash area10church. Kid-friendly programming is also available at the same time just down the street at 2810 at Community Gathering Place. We hope to see you at the Bird Theater soon. Now, on to this week's message. We have uh, lost our ability, I think, as a culture, of all the things we're losing in the modern world, I think we've lost our ability to disagree agreeably. We've lost our ability to state opinions and sort of think logically through them and be reasonable and rational when we have conversations. And a lot of that's probably been driven by the internet. You, you know this, it's almost a meme now, but if you were to get on online and state something completely harmless like, I like apples, you know, there'd be people who'd be like, I like apples too, you know, and they'd maybe comment, oh, like, you know, thumbs up, apples are great. And then you've got the banana people that are going to get in there and they're going to be like, why do you hate bananas? And you'd be like, I didn't say anything about bananas, but you clearly hate bananas because you, and it, you know, you, you're apple supremacy. And like, there'd be this whole thing that would like develop uh, over some ridiculous thing, right? And, and, and we're just sort of, something's going wrong. And I think it's in part driven by, honestly, co- uh, computer algorithms and and math and things like that that we don't understand that are driving the conversation online and, and pitting people against each other and stoking fears and, and all that kind of stuff. And, I, and I'm very concerned just as a, a, a guy living in the world here and a guy raising a family and being a citizen of this, of this city, I'm, I'm concerned about where this is going and, and what, it's, what it's doing to us. Um, the, online is encouraging us to make um, quick, hot takes on everything, and they're not great. And, and actually, I think a lot of the hot takes that we're encouraged to make are the opposite of what we should be doing. We should be quiet and reflective and think and have nuance and subtlety, and the internet just does not encourage that. Um, this is especially a, a problem, I think, for people of faith who are trying to express their faith, because when you express it online, you're gonna run into all sorts of challenges, or, and some of that carries over into your offline as well. Um, Charles Spurgeon, the famous uh, preacher, said it this way, he says, use very hard arguments with very soft words. And if you think about it, the internet encourages us to do the exact opposite of that, to give very soft and weak arguments with very hard words, to give hot takes in 280 characters or less. This is kind of the the, the culture that we're swimming in, and I think this is a problem for growth, for human flourishing. To grow, we need to digest hard arguments, and we need subtlety, and we need nuance, and, and our online life is not training us well from that. What our online life is doing is making us impatient and angry, and consumers who curate things to all to our personal preferences. And this is a problem, I think, for Christians, because we have a, dem- I'll call it a divine mandate. We have a mission from God. God has instructed those of us who are followers of Jesus, we are to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. We are, we are actually supposed to love God and love other people, and we're supposed to share uh, the faith that we have. And this is not an easy mission. It's not easy to speak up and share about the, the faith that we have, that, that there's a God worth following, that Jesus rose from dead. It's not easy to talk about these things, but we're called to do it. So I wanna talk about that to wrap up this series today. I wanna talk about the idea that you and I are called to open our mouths and speak up about our faith. Even in a world where everything is almost purposely misunderstood, we still need to speak up about why we believe in God and the hope that we have. Now, when I say to you, hey, 
you should speak up and, and tell your friends and coworkers and neighbors and, and family about Jesus. A lot of you right now are like clenching, right? You're just like, Ugh, I don't want to talk about that. And there's lots of things you'll say about why you won't do that or you shouldn't do that or, or not good at that. You'll say, I'm not good at talking about my faith. Or you'll say, um, I'm one of those people that kind of live out my faith. I don't really, I lead by example. I don't like to do the talking part. I'm not really into that. Um, and, and I understand that. There's a, a lot of reasons people will give for why they won't speak up about their faith. And some of them are legit and some of them are just excuses, right? But some of them are like, you know, I can't talk about that. It's going to be really uncool to talk about Jesus to my friend, my coworker. It could be an HR violation. They're going to drag me down in front of HR if I speak up about my religious beliefs. Like, I, I understand that stuff. Um, but, I, but, I, but I want to help in some way if I can today. My goal today is that when you leave here today, you are going to have a short list of maybe five people. Five people that you can think of, and you might want to start thinking about them now. Five people that you know that need Jesus, that need God, that need a connection to him, that are far from him, that are disconnected from God. Five people that you're in regular contact with, not like somebody you grew up with that you never see anymore, but like friends and family, coworkers, people on your kickball team, people that you know around here or close by that you're in regular contact with that need Jesus. I want you to have that list, and I want you to feel inspired and encouraged and, 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 and equipped to speak up about why you believe uh, what you believe. I'm not trying to train a sales force, okay? Don't freak out on me here. I'm not trying to train a sales force today. Um, but I, I want to I encourage us to, to be able to speak up about what we believe. And to do that, I want to look at the scriptures. There's a guy in the scripture who in some ways is a model for us in this. I thought about going to Jesus, but he's Jesus. And it, it would be easier maybe for us to look at someone who came after Jesus, a regular person, and see how did they do this? How did they speak up? And so I want to point you to a guy named Peter. If you read about Peter in the New Testament, he's a guy who hung out with Jesus, went around with him, traveled around with him for a couple of years. And the thing you see about Peter when you see interactions that Peter is involved in, Peter is outspoken, a little bit brash. He's the guy, and there's one of these in like every class and every group. You know the guy or girl who always says what everybody's thinking, but nobody wants to say it, and then they say it, and you're like, well, I'm glad somebody said it. That's Peter. He's that dude when in, in the circles that he's running in with Jesus. So he'll say these things, and oftentimes, you know, with Peter, it's like, mm, I don't think you maybe should have said that, or like maybe silence would have been your best option. It, it's actually, a, Peter's like a walking example of Proverbs 17, uh, Proverbs 17, 28. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. You know, if, if you're an idiot, but you don't say anything, people are going to think you're really smart or you're, you're thoughtful or deep waters or something. And Peter's like the opposite of that. He just like, he's open in his mouth, sticking his foot in his mouth uh, a, a lot of times. And it doesn't, it doesn't go well. Um, so, but I think he's actually a good example for us because he's a fisherman. He's a regular guy. He's not a rabbi. He's not some sort of minister or pastor. He was an ordinary guy. And so Peter spends time with Jesus for a couple of years. And then Jesus uh, dies, is resurrected. And then Peter is one of the apostles. They're left to spread the word, to speak up, to open their mouths and share the faith. And he's living in Jerusalem, and you see this recorded in the history book of the New Testament, the book of Acts. Peter's living in Jerusalem, and um, he and, and James and John, some other people, they start speaking up about their faith, about Jesus. They start telling other people about Jesus, and I want to read it to you 
uh, an encounter that Peter has with some of the religious leaders of their culture. So Acts chapter 4, we'll put it up on the screen. We'll start with verse 1. This is uh, Peter and John together. It says, and as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple. How do you get to be captain of the temple? That sounds like a fun job. I don't know. Do they, do they pick, do they elect those? I don't, what's the captain? I don't know. Well, what do they do? I have no idea. I didn't look it up. And the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had, been, had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. So lots of people are coming to Christ um, and, and starting to learn. It says they opened their mouths, they, 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 they taught what did they say? What were they talking about? Well, we don't know the full text of their messages that they were giving to the people, but what we do know is that they're telling people about Jesus and about the resurrection. And that actually makes a lot of sense. If you have seen a guy die and come back from the dead, wouldn't you say something to somebody about it, right? I mean, I've seen impressive things. I've seen movies that are mediocre that I've told other people to go see. Like, there's plenty of things we're willing to talk about, but all of the, with all the technology, with all the things in the world, still, even today, you see a guy die unequivocally, like dead, very, very, very dead, gone, flatline, gone for days, and you have breakfast with that same guy like a couple days later, you're going to say something, right? And it, it becomes the focus of Peter's life. It is what he talks about from then on. It's what he's about. He, he can't help but talk about it, as you would. Like, you're like, this guy died. Now he's not dead. This is a, a big deal. He doesn't need a refined message. He doesn't have a great speech necessarily. He doesn't have like three points in a poem that he gives people. When he stands up, he just goes, he was murdered. We had breakfast later. I, I, I don't have to tell you. Like, it's unbelievable and he found that and, that, and that was compelling to him. And I think it could be and should be compelling to us. Because the thing that's coming for all of us is we're all going to die. And it is the, 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 it's like, it feels like the question that has no answer. It feels like this thing looming off in the distance. One day this will happen for us too. And, and what we learn here is that, well, maybe there is an answer to it. What, what Peter figured out is you can actually die and come back. There's something beyond this. There's something, there's a force, there's a power greater than the natural cycle of life and death. And so he speaks up about it. And if you speak up about your faith to a friend, to a coworker, to someone at school, maybe that's the thing to talk about. Hey, I believe that this Jesus lived and he died and he came back from the dead. You don't have to answer questions about did Moses part the Red Sea? Who cares about that? That's not, a, that's not like a central issue. You don't have to answer questions about was the earth created in six literal 24-hour periods by God a long time ago or was it over billions of years through a long, slow process of evolution? Those are all interesting conversations. You can talk about that if you want, but that's not the, the main thing. You don't have to answer questions about all the modern ethical problems that the culture is wrestling with and where does scripture land on this, 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 this. All of that's a sideshow. The central thing is this guy died. He came back from the dead and showed us that we too can go that way. Like that is the heart of the thing. That's what Peter's talking about. That's what we can talk about. And so they speak up. Peter and John are speaking up about this and thousands of people believe it. Not all of them though. Some people hear about the resurrection like your friends might 
Some people hear about it and they go, nah, don't care. Doesn't matter. Don't think it happened. So they, they speak up and this gets them in trouble with the local religious authority. So they are, they are pulled in front of um, a, a body of people that we don't have in our culture, really. We don't, we don't have religious leaders that can arrest you in, 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 in our culture, right? We have civil government and that's it. Well, they have this layer of religious leadership and they can re- arrest you and, and if necessary, turn you over to civil government. Um, so the, the, the leaders of, of the, the, the Jews in Jerusalem, they, they arrest them. So verse five, let's, let me read it to you. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when, and when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, so they're gonna grab Peter and John and they wanna know what's going on. They say, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved." So he had healed someone. This is why he caused a ruckus. He had healed someone on his way from the temple. And they're like, okay, how did you do that? Who has the power to this? And he says, hey, guess what? It's Jesus. This is the, 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 the heart of this. This is how we have power. This is how we were able to do what we did. Uh, Jesus is where it's at. And notice how direct he is. I, I, I admire how direct he is and how... Um, clear he is and and how exclusive he is. He's direct in that he says, uh, I I healed in the name of Jesus. Y'all remember Jesus, right? You handed him over to be killed like a couple years ago. You remember that? You know, like he's, he's, he's calling them out for the thing that they did and saying, Jesus died, your fault on your hand. Like it's bold, right? It's direct. And he says a very exclusive statement. There's no way to God. There's no way we can be saved unless we go through Jesus. This isn't a comparative religions class. He's not doing all that. And and even to the Jews who believe in hero Israel, the Lord, our God is one. They're, they're, they're in on God. He's like, no, Jesus is God. And they're like, no, we're not having that. They don't like that. He's clear. um, And he's exclusive in, in his beliefs about who Jesus is and why it matters. And I wanted to read that to you so you can hear how he speaks up when he opens his mouth, but I really want you to hear how they react to what he says. Verse 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. I love that. That verse should be like, burned in our hearts. They saw these guys and they were like, whoa, you guys are pretty bold. It doesn't say they recognize their clever arguments. And when they saw what a great case they really made for what they believe, it doesn't say that. 
When they saw that they used really cool words and they were very hip and relevant and they really, you know, Peter was wearing some really cool pair of jeans and he just like, they, they understood and they were just like, oh, he just really gets us and none of that. What they saw was, dang, these guys are bold and they're uneducated, they're normal people and they've been with Jesus. Quickly, number one, they're bold. Boldness is admirable because it's so uncommon. I even see that today. I had a friend text me yesterday about a celebrity who had said, who wrote something, said something. And it was, I read it, I was like, that's pretty bold. And then my friend was like, uh, you know, was like, I don't see pastors even being that bold. I'm like, hey, stop it. Um, but, but, uh, but no, I, I, I agree. Um, boldness is admirable when we see it. We're like, wow. I mean, they just said it. They, they spoke up, and that stuff's admirable because it's un, uncommon. Um, usually, what we try to do is keep our head down and do our work and not stick out and don't let anybody, you know, don't have any weird opinion or anything. Just like, keep it cool. Shh. You just stay over there and work and do your thing. And, and when we see people who are bold, we, we admire it. We admire them because they speak up. And they may not have liked everything Peter and John said, but they admired their boldness. They're like, look at these guys. Number two, it says they were unschooled and ordinary. I love that. I love that they were unschooled, ordinary, common men is what it says. Um, they, they, they didn't look at these guys and go, I mean, these are clearly rabbis who have been taught in the faith for generation, you know, decades, and they, they just know all the things. Like, they go... I mean, these are like blue-collar guys. Like, this dude's a fisherman, you know? Like, these are normal guys, and, like, they're really saying some stuff. Like, they've got some knowledge. They're unschooled and ordinary. And, and I think what I love about that the most is that's you and I, too. You're unschooled and ordinary when it comes to maybe the scriptures. You may have a PhD. You might be a doctor. You might be a lawyer. You might have education for days. You're like, Chris, I got a master's degree. A lot. I get it. You are, you are very schooled in a lot of things. But when it comes to the scripture, you probably don't have like this advanced degree of learning or whatever. So you, you, you go like, okay, I'm, I'm pretty ordinary when it comes to the scriptures. And I love that because that's exactly the kind of people that are sharing their faith and speaking up. Ordinary people. Christianity does not rely on people with a higher ed degree. If it does, we're all hosed. It, it, it relies on regular people sort of gossiping the gospel, speaking up and sort of going like, yeah, this is what this is what God did in my life. It relies on teenagers speaking up. It relies on old people speaking up, parents, children, all ages. I, I, I'm a Christian today because a fifth grader told me when I was in fifth grade that I should get baptized, and I believed him and decided to do it. Like, it, it doesn't rely on the, ed, the most educated among us to make, it, make the best arguments. It's unschooled, ordinary, common people who share their faith. And, and I want you to know this because so many people feel unqualified when they walk into a church to go, I can't lead that thing. I can't join that small, can't even join the small group because if I do, I'm going to have to say something and then they're going to know that I don't know anything. And like everybody feels that way. So just join anyway. Teach the class, join the class, be a part of the small group, serve in that way, get, in, get to know some people. They're going to find out that you don't know anything, and it's okay. Like, it's okay. We want to grow. We want to learn. Yes, absolutely. Like, let's, let's get on that path and grow, but it's okay if you come in feeling like you don't know anything. You're in good company here. And, and then it also says that, that 
they noticed they're bold, unschooled, and they noticed that they had been with Jesus. Um, now, obviously, they had literally been with Jesus walking on earth. That's not, our, that's not our thing. But we can log some time with him too. This is why we challenge you to, to read the scripture and, and, and dive in and, and worship and, and, and pray to God daily to just make it a daily habit. I'm just going to read a little bit each day and try to get to know him uh, better and get into his words. Um, because when you, when you get into his words and you know him, it starts to show in who you are and people will be able to tell there's something different about you. It's sort of like that friend who studies abroad for a semester. Here we go to, if you went to college and you study abroad, and you're like, somebody goes and studies abroad for a semester and you know like when they come back and like they have an accent Right, and they like hate all of your American foods, and all of your your grocery store is disgusting, and you know they don't like your lack of public transportation, and, and all of those things. Like, like what happened? Well, they were they were around it for a while, and some of it got on them, right? And they come back, and they're like, "Well, I'm like I'm like that now, you know. I I, I used to be Peter. You can call me Pierre now, like whatever. Like, <laughs> like it it happens. We we've all seen that, maybe in a negative way, but in the same way, I think." It should be obvious to people around us that we have been with Jesus at work or school or friendships. Um, your phone's ringing, that thing. Okay, yeah, that's a, go do the thing that you set the alarm for. This is important. Um, uh, it should be obvious that we are more, there's something about us as followers of Jesus. We should be more patient, gentle, kind, loving. It's the fruit of the Spirit, that God's Spirit is working in us. Kindness, gentleness, patience, peace, self-control. We should be growing in those things and it should be noticeable over time that we are, we are different. This isn't easy. It's a process. It's not, it's, I know very few people who are radically transformed overnight, but over the long haul, there's growth and change. And this is actually what you see with Peter. Peter was, when you see him in the gospels, he's young, he's brash. Maybe you would say arrogant, but... Or, Maybe, but as he ages, he becomes wise and more sagely. In fact, if you, if you read his letters later in the New Testament, in, in the, the book of First and Second Peter, um, he's an older dude. He's facing death. He's getting closer to dying. He's probably 30 or 40 years older than, than what this was in Acts or in, in the Gospels. And old Peter has some things to say, and he has some specific things to say to us about how to speak up about our faith when we open our mouth to share uh, listen to First Peter chapter 3, verse 13. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you'll be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect." This is the strategy he lays out for us. Um, as we engage, as we are trying to be open, as we, as we are wide open to the needs around us and our hearts are moved towards the people that we care about around us and our mind, we have an open mind and we're curious about what they're going through. As we're in doing all of that stuff and our arms are open, we are serving, we are embracing, at some point we need to open our mouths and speak up about what we believe. And he gives us a strategy. Three pieces. Number one, live in such a way that makes them ask. 
Sharing your faith does not need to be stand on a street corner and preach. Most of us would be terrible at that. And it would be very ineffective. And I would argue would probably turn off more people than it wins. Um, But live in such a way that makes them ask. I think if, if you're to look at, if you were to ask people, why don't you speak up about your faith? For a lot of people, they would say, I don't speak up because I don't know how. But I think at the end of the day, the biggest challenge that we face is, I don't know if I'm living this out well enough to speak to anybody about it. Like I'm not living my faith, so why would I tell people about it? It is, it's not a knowledge problem. I don't know the right things to say. It is a discipleship problem. I'm not following him closely. Discipleship is, we've talked about this before, it's basically to be a disciple of Jesus is to be with Jesus so that you can become like him and, and do the things that he did. So you can become what he was and, and do the things that he does. Like that's, that is what being a disciple is. And we have challenges with that in our culture. We are being discipled by other things than Jesus. We're, uh, this is, you're going to think I'm all anti-technology here, but let's, let's be honest. We are being discipled by our phones. Our phones are forming and shaping our character, our thoughts, our desires. They are designed by brilliant people to take your attention, to, to focus your attention, to make you think about and care about certain things. They are highly consumeristic. They are, they are designed to be customizable so that an entire uh, digital world is focused and centered around you and your preferences and your likes and your desires. So it shows you and the algorithms, they show you the things that you want. You can have it your way right away all the time. That is the culture we're living in. And to step out of that and do this countercultural, it's not about me, it's about God. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to honor him. I'm going to learn about Jesus. I'm going to read about him. I'm going to grow in him. Uh, that's hard to do in the culture that we're, that we're living in. It's hard to walk in a different direction because the culture that we live in is loud and it's proud. And so we have to pay attention, as Peter says, we have to pay attention to how we live. And we have to live in such a way that people will look at you and they will actually ask you, they'll be like, what's up with you? Not in a bad way, we can certainly do that. But people will look at you and they'll go like, wow, you're, you're different. Like, this is the, wait, all this is going crazy. This isn't bothering you? Or like, why are you different? So before we speak up, let's ask the question, are we being disciples? Are we living in such a way that anybody would ask about why we have hope? Let me give you some concrete questions. This isn't designed to make you feel guilty. This isn't designed for you to tell your neighbor. This is just for you to think inside your head and, and, and maybe move the needle a little bit. Let me ask you concrete questions. Do you read the Bible? How often? Daily, weekly, monthly, bi-monthly? I don't know. Like, do you read it to, to know what's in there and to know what God is communicating to humanity? Um, do you pray? How often? Do you pray just before meals? Do you pray when you wake up? Do you pray just before you're going to take a test that you didn't study for? How often do you pray? Um, do you give money away? Are you generous with your money? Uh, the average American gives away, I looked this up, 2.3% of their money. So if we are followers of Jesus and we are called to be generous and intentional and sacrificial, are you giving away more than 2.3% of your money? If you're not, then there's nothing different about you than your neighbors. I'm not saying you're a horrible person or anything like that. I'm just saying we're not different. No one's going to ask you why you give away 2% of your money if that's what you give because that's what everybody is doing relatively, generally, right? 
So are you generous to, a, to what some people would think to a fault? Like if you go to a financial planner and you're planning for your kid's college or you're planning for retirement and they look at how much money you give away, they're like, well, you need to step it down a little bit. Like you're giving away a lot of money. Have you ever had that conversation? These are just things to think about. Are we, are we generous? Are we giving? Are the fruits of the Spirit showing up in our lives? Are we becoming more joyful, peaceful, patient, less anxious? Look, I, there's lots of reasons to be anxious. There's lots of, the algorithms tell you to be fearful. I, I get that. But are you less anxious, not than the person down the street, not than your coworker? Are you less anxious than you used to be? Are you less afraid because you know what God is doing in your life? Are you more patient, not than her, not than him, more patient than you a year ago? Are you, do you have a greater sense of peace now than you used to have? These things are noticeable in a person over time, and we should be growing in these things. Um, and, and if we are, we will that then we are living in such a way that people will notice. So maybe the action step for you coming out of this today is let me go think about the ways that I'm exactly like everybody else and, and I need to tweak some things. Maybe I need to start taking some action steps that put me on a different path. So one, live in a way that makes the mask. Number two, be ready to speak up. Be ready to speak up. Um, cynicism is really easy in our culture. I almost feel like if you're not cynical, then you're not paying attention. Like it... It's so easy to say about everything that everything sucks and everything is awful and nothing is good and everything's not worth our time and everything's very meh. It's very easy to say that because um, if you're not cynical, you don't get what's going on. You're not in, in touch with the world. You don't get it. And honestly, the temptation to me as someone who speaks for a living is to be cynical, like publicly, like because I know that if I get up here and, and, and I'm cynical, a lot of, it, it, like a lot of people will resonate with that. It's, a, it's an easy way to get people on your side. Like, man, <laughs> doesn't it suck? And everyone's like, yeah, this guy gets me. It sucks. All of it. Like whatever, right? Like cynicism is easy and it's cheap. But that's not the people we're called to be. We can't be that cynical. We're the people of hope. We literally follow a guy who came back from the dead I don't know what you're cynical about, but if at the end of the story, there's a guy who comes back from the dead, there's hope. Whatever it is, however bad it is, there's hope at the end. There's a better way to the, the, how this story ends. And, and we believe that. We believe that is the story of the world, that God loves us, that he sent his son. And I know that sounds like a fairy tale and it sounds weird, but we believe it to be truth and the actual story of the world. And what it means is because there's hope, we don't have to freak out like everybody else freaks out about the wars and the economy and cost of gas and all of the things. We don't have to freak out. Um, we have hope. And, and if you don't freak out when everyone else is freaking out and you, you, you speak a message of hope, you're going to sound out of touch. Just know that right up front. But I don't know about you, but in touch, in touch is getting less and less attractive all the time. And maybe that's just me getting older, but I'm like, I don't know if I care about you being in touch. I, I, I'm, I'm good without a touch, like, you know, because it's, it's, it can get so weird out there. It, being in touch might just make you crazy, so it's okay to step out a bit. So Peter says, be ready to speak up. And so to make this practical, 
literally think of five people or one right now. Just think of one person you know that's far from God that you could have a conversation with about your faith. And imagine what you would say in that moment. Prepare for that moment. Like if they said to you, why are you so religious? Or like, you're really into this Jesus thing or faith or whatever. You go to church, okay, whatever that. What do you say when they say that? Are you going to wing that in the moment or do you have some thoughts? You could maybe plan out now what you would say when they ask you well, it's because of this and I believe this happened and, and yeah, I can't prove it to every little detail and I can't answer all of your questions but this is what it is and this is what is done in my life. Speak up with an answer. Now your answer may fall flat. Let's be honest. Peter and John, thousands of people come to Christ. Not everybody does though. Not everybody's gonna like what you're gonna say. Your answer might not land for them and then you, maybe you'll go work on your answer and try it again later or something with a different crowd. But that's not on you. You're not supposed to own the results, right? Like you speak up and let God deal with them. They're on a journey as well and God is doing his work and maybe it's not, the timing's not right. We're just called to speak up and let God own those results. So speak up actually about your faith and then Peter adds this caveat. He says, number three, do it with gentleness and respect. When you speak up about your faith, do it with gentleness and respect. Don't be off-putting. Don't give hard truth in the hard way. If you, give hard, if you give hard truth in the hard way, that may work for like people on death row. If you get a chance to talk there and you want to let me give it to you straight, like, that might work. But for most people, hard truth in a hard way does not land. It does not win over any hearts. You might, you might change somebody's mind, but you won't win their heart. And ultimately, that's, that's what we're trying to do. We're, we're, we're trying to um, give hard arguments with soft words. Spurgeon, uh, a, another quote from that same passage, he, he says this, frequently you cannot convince a man by tugging at his reason, but you can persuade him by winning his affections. That isn't to say that what we believe is not reasonable. I think it is. But it is to say reason, this logical airtight argument that you're supposed to make about faith, that, that's... That, that ain't it. That's not the thing that's going to land for people. People have desires and wants and affections. And if you train yourself, you can hear those when people speak. They will speak up and they will talk about their disappointment and their longing and their desires and their hurts. And you can listen closely to those and engage those things. Start there. Don't make logical arguments about why they're wrong and why God actually is this. And uh, like, no. Oh, what has God done in your life? And speak to people's hearts to try to win affections. Listen to them and listen for what is going on under the surface. On the surface, oh, my boyfriend broke up with me. On the surface, my job is not going well and I'm gonna quietly quit. On the surface, you know, uh, I didn't get into the, the program at school I wanted to get into. On the surface, my friend betrayed me and I'm really hurt. That's all the surface, but underneath all of that is a longing for intimacy for connection, to not be lonely, to have a sense of purpose, mission. And I really think as followers of Jesus, you can speak to those things, but speak with gentleness and respect. I have regrets about the way I have spoken to people over the years. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, 
and you're really taking him seriously, you're going to believe weird things. You're gonna have a different view than a large section of our culture on different topics. Uh, you're gonna have a different view maybe on race. You're gonna have a different view maybe on poverty and alleviation. You're gonna have a different view on the sanctity of life. You're gonna have a different view on human sexuality and identity and how all those things fit together and matter. You're gonna have different views than a large section of the population. And there have been times that I have articulated those well. And there are times that I definitely have not. So the challenge for myself that I, that I hear as I get this and, that, and my challenge to you is speak up, um, but do it with gentleness and respect. If you speak up raw and unfiltered, um, you may not get the results you want. The results we want is to change hearts, not minds. So to close out this wide open series, I want us to do something. Um, we've been talking about being open with our stuff to one another and then being open to see those who are around us and the needs that they have and, and being willing to share with them. So we've asked you to see people where they're at and to have an open heart to love people because you're not gonna, if you don't care about someone, you're not gonna really make a move towards them. To have an open mind to be curious about where they're at um, and, and curious about your own stuff too. And then have open arms to serve people, be that person at work or at school that serves other people. And then finally, to have an open mouth to speak up and so what I wanna ask you to do is, I've asked you to think about maybe five people that you know that need God. And we're gonna take communion in a moment. And so you're gonna get up, you're gonna go left of your aisle and down the front, and there's bread and juice that represents the body and blood of Christ. And as you take that, and you remember the sacrifice Christ made for you, I want you to see on the end of those tables, there's a, a card. And the card, um, has, has the series logo on, it says wide open, sharing your story. And it gives a little summary, open heart, mind, arms, mouth. And then it says, who is God calling you to open your heart, mind, and arm towards? Who is he asking you to speak with about him? And write down the names of five pe people you intend to be more open with. So I, I want you to keep this, put it on your fridge, put it in your Bible, put it next, next to your bed, in your car. Five people that you want to speak with. And if you're in one of our small groups, bring this to small group and let's talk about it. Hey, who are, so that your small group can pray for that person. Hey, I'm praying for Jeff and he's doing such and such. All right, let's all pray for Jeff. Um, do that. And I think um, this will be just a, a step and a tool and let's, let's, let's be open to those who are around us and those who are in need and maybe invite them to be, to be part of, of the community. Um, so let's stand together. Um, I've asked Tom Scott to come out here and pray. Um, and, and specifically to pray for those people who are far from him and that God would use us to open our mouths and speak as necessary. So he's gonna lead us in a prayer and then the band's gonna uh, lead us in song and as we sing, we can come take communion and you can each grab one of these cards. So Father, we, um, we just come to you, Lord, just thanking you that you are a God of salvation, that you are a God who by your very nature you are a rescuer. And Father, we thank you that you are a God who has shown us time and time again that you will deliver us from the most difficult and challenging of situations. Thank you, Lord, that you sent your son Jesus as our deliverer, as the one who would come and live a perfect life, one who would go to the cross, who would shed his blood, one who in three days after would resurrect again, 
so that man's greatest problem, his greatest dilemma could be resolved, that our sins would be forgiven and that we would have the opportunity to spend eternity with you, Father, through Jesus and Jesus alone. Lord, we just come with our, our hearts open because we know that we have family and friends who have not put their full confidence in Jesus. And Lord, thank you that you are sending us to them. Lord, thank you that you have allowed us to have relationships with people that you want us to talk to and to let them know that Jesus is the answer to their greatest challenge, to their guilt, to their shame, to, to their, their purposelessness, Lord. We just want to pray, Father, that you would open our hearts and open our eyes to those people around us who don't know you, that we would have a boldness, that we would have a lifestyle that would reflect you, that people would notice that we have spent time with you, Lord, time in your word, time in prayer, that there's something very different and unique about us. And Father, I just want to pray that we would be prepared to be able to speak up, Lord. I want to pray that you would give us clarity of mind and purity of hearts, that we would know, Father, when it is that you're giving us a strategic moment in order to speak Jesus into somebody's life. Father, it could be that somebody far, far away is praying for a family member or praying for a friend, and we are the answer to that person's prayer because we are a coworker or, or a neighbor or we work out at the same gym, whatever might be the situation, Lord, help us to want to be the answer to those people that are praying for their lost family member or friends. And Father, help us to always represent you wherever it is that we go. And help us to be a church that is willing, God, to go out into this world and to make disciples. Help us to, to follow that divine mandate, to take seriously and with urgency to be people who are willing to give a reason for our hope. And that is Jesus came and died for our sins, was buried, and he rose again, and he is still alive today. So, Father, I pray that we would go from this place with a sense of mission, with a sense of great love for Jesus, with a desire to make him known that he will help those around us, and he will help this world so that we might know you, God, and that we might live for you and be the people that you have created us to be for your glory and your honor. So, Father, we just pray that as we go through this morning that we would remember Jesus and that we would speak up boldly, that we would write down our, our names of those five people in our lives and pray for them daily and then look for those chances, those opportunities to share Christ. Lord, thank you for your love and thank you for your grace and thank you for your deliverance. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.